It's interesting that he felt led to look up the qualities of mother and father. Because I want to remind us, and I'll probably be doing this several times throughout the night because I, I need us to remember the bigger picture. And remember, we're trying to bring two houses together. And I say that, so I'm just going to kind of boldly say it. But if you think about, well, maybe I should wait. Just have in the back of your mind, just have in the back of your mind that the revelation of both mother and father is needed. And Derek just said it's not about one better than the other, but it's about both being able to operate in those qualities. And that's going to come out multidimensional tonight. So Jason spoke when we were out there fellowshipping, and he said, remember where we've been and come in that place. And ultimately what I felt like he was saying, or if I could just put like a mother's twist on what he said, don't forget that you came here last week saying you don't know. So the moment your brain starts swirling around and being like, but you don't know. And that doesn't mean I do, we're on a journey. And um, so just, I feel like I'm gonna have to remind us throughout the entire night season. Don't forget that we fell on our face saying we don't know because, um, well, let me just read this. What a powerful place to be as a family that's willing to go through the year 5777 when we were cut up, like tore down, and still, years later, say, tear me down again, tear me down some more, and that it would never be finished in us to constantly, that, what Jason said was not just a 10 days, now we're good, and so I get to go back to the way that I was, not even for just this next night season, but forever knowing that next year you have another opportunity to say, and I still don't know. Everything is still on the table. I always want to be moldable. I always want to be humble, and I always want to grow. So I want to read this over the family because I felt really um, just pressed to read this over you guys. It is Psalms 86. I'm just going to read it. So actually, if you guys can just kind of like, I know you all have your notebooks and you're going to be writing tonight, but just lay it down, lay the pens down, lay the notebooks down and just, just bring ourselves to a place of, you know, sometimes when we come into something and you're ping-ponging everywhere and you're, well, did I, did I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but did I leave the laundry in the wash? What about, oh, did I forgot to eat? That was like my issue today. Or you're just kind of all, you know, and then now you've got your pencil and you're ready to be in learn mode. The best place to be in learn mode is when you are not ping-ponging around. When you are full of activity and you're all over the place and you're full of anxiety and you're thinking about all these other things, you won't receive anything tonight because your frequency won't allow you to receive anything tonight because you are not in a state of rest to receive, but you are in this active, almost like, um, remember when Missy laid out all those frequencies and death was the lowest? There's actually, well, 
never mind. I'm gonna go off on a whole tangent. Just what we're doing is we're just allowing ourselves to be present, to be here. I don't want you thinking about tomorrow. I don't want you thinking about yesterday. I just want you here and in the now because only then are you able to receive. So just close your eyes and I wanna re uh, read this over you, Psalms 86. Slow to anger and full of hesed. A prayer of David. Turn your ear, Adonai, and answer me, for I am weak and needy. Watch over my soul, for I am godly. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, my Lord, for to you I cry all day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to, for to you, my Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, my Lord, are good and ready to forgive and full of mercy to all who call upon you. Give ear, Adonai, to my prayer. Listen to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you and you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods. My Lord, there are no deeds like yours. All nations you have made will come and bow down before you, my Lord, and they will glorify your name. For you are great and do wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Adonai, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. I praise you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart and glorify your name forever. For great is your loving kindness towards me. You have delivered my soul from the lowest part of Sheol. And I'll stop there and open your eyes. But I feel like that's what we did. But there's some depth to that psalm. To lower ourselves to say, please answer my cry, but don't just answer my prayer because I've begged and give me this one magical moment, but teach me how to walk in your ways. You alone are God. All, every, any one of us could amen that until you go home and then you get to become God. I'm not talking about you alone are God among all the other, I'm talking about you alone are God in my life. I do not know, you know. I am not Lord, you are Lord. And because of that, and I position myself that way, now I am teachable. Teach me your ways. And that's what he's doing with us this night season. Is he's gonna teach us his ways. Not our ways. Not man's ways, not religion's ways, not our friend's ways, not what we thought ways, but his ways. Amen? So I'm super proud of a family that will continually position themselves to remain teachable. That's David. If David, King David, can say, hear my, you delivered my heart. You, right? If, if David can position himself to say, teach me your ways, can we be a people that would want to be taught? Okay. Welcome to the night season. Service number one outside of the fall feast. The fall feast was extremely difficult to release on because 
there's this dilemma that I'm wrestling through on how to release what it is that he wants to release because it's very much the chicken and the egg. There's things that we can teach on, but then it would be the chicken. And then you're trying to figure out where the chicken came from. But then if I teach on the egg, you're going to be like, but what is it becoming? And if I don't understand, like, which one came first? So there's this, this, this aspect where the feast kind of slammed me in like, okay, well, I'm going to give you the chicken. But we haven't even felt the egg. Does, I don't know if that's making sense. But it was kind of like this grand slam. Like, we got three nights to fit in tabernacles, and we're going to smash down things that we thought we're going to release things on the law. I mean, if you guys go back through any one of those podcasts, I was like dropping bombs left and right because I didn't know how to, how do you not drop a bomb when you're supposed to be walking in something that's prophetic and we don't know it and we don't know it yet. And then there's, there's just layer upon layer upon layer. So when I say welcome to the night season, tonight is going to begin the entire night season of just slowly receiving I'm going to try my hardest to not freak out and just start, I might, and it's good. And sometimes I need to do that because I just kind of have to like throw, like, you know, like I'm a, I'm not a farmer, but I'm assuming at some point there are things that he, that they do to like, just, so sometimes I just kind of have to throw seed out there and hope it lands and then I'll come back and then I'll till the ground. (laughs) And then there's times where it's like, no, this seed requires if I'm not talking proper gardening. <laughs> but then I'm assuming that there are certain types of seeds where it's like, okay, let's till the ground first. And so there's this, there's this back and forth. And so I'm hoping to just rest in what it is that he wants for us so that we can fully grasp it. Because there's this thing that happens where, let me just tell you where I'm at. I'm assuming I've already told you guys the greatest lie that Christianity has ever told. And you guys already have it all. Like, the first night I released, I looked at Dad, I'm like, I think I gave everything I have. The night season's over. (laughs) And somebody came up to me, and they're like, all right, just tell me what the lie is. And I'm like, I literally preached on it all night. (laughs) And they're asking me, so is the greatest lie hell? And I'm like, what? I I already said what the greatest lie. So I recognize that I will bam, 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 bam. And I'm thinking, like, you get it? And then I get questions afterwards, and I'm like, oh, it's just, okay. So, it's going to be all right. So, the night season is going to be a continual night, a continual week after week of essentially purposeful hunting is what I've been in. I have been working on my guns. I've been cleaning them out. I've been collecting bullets. I've been learning how to hunt. Because there are some sacred cows that need to be killed. (laughs) I don't know anything about hunting either, but just envision myself in my shop, and I'm like, get ready, because I'm looking for them. And I'm posted up on the tree, and I'm waiting for them. They're, 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 they're laying there, and they are camouflaged, and they are hiding, and, like, they're not moving. And then all of a sudden, a little noise. 
there they are. And they all just bolt and they jump up and they start running around and I'm just going to start. <laughs> I don't know how tactical that is, but I, so I got to be strategic. I'm trying to learn how to not spook and like make them run. I'm just going to just enough to, I see that. And then like slowly. <laughs> so don't forget when your sacred cow in you pops up from behind you and you get shot that you came and laid on this floor and said, I don't know. Because you don't know, you're not aware of what you're not aware of. All you did, some of us did position ourselves very specifically and say, I don't know about this and that's awesome. But if you don't know, then you don't even know what sacred cows you're holding on to until someone comes in with a different belief system and begins to smash against your belief system. So this is going to be a night season of smashing belief systems. Um, I, yeah, I do want to talk about that a little bit. Do you know how in this family we've talked about how we don't live crisis to crisis? Right? We don't function in relationship crisis to crisis. We don't want to um, have a relationship with someone where the only way that I know you is when you're in a crisis. Right? We've talked about, excuse me, we've talked about that. But I don't know if we've talked about why are you in a crisis in the first place? So yes, we don't want to operate crisis to crisis, but what if we could go deeper and we could figure out why am I getting into a crisis in the first place? And do we understand what causes a crisis, which is typically when you are very adamant on certain things and you have this box that that's the way that it is. And then when another belief system comes along and smashes that box, now you are in crisis. The only reason why you find yourself in a crisis is because your belief system has been attacked or pushed against in some way that causes your state to say, I'm in fear or I'm freaking out or I'm out of control or I, whatever it may be at a root level, it's because your belief system has been poked. And so then crisis comes and then that's typically what he sees is his children coming to him crisis to crisis. And he's after, can we, can we figure out why, why we're in crisis anyways? Okay. I, uh, I did decide to look up what a sacred cow was because I didn't understand where that came from, that idiom of killing sacred cows. So then I recognized that it totally has to do with religion and that there is a religion that thinks that cows are completely sacred and that they are gods. Um, the actual definition of a sacred cow is they're immune from question or criticism. So whatever sacred cow you have, you have decided to say, here's my belief system. And then you've tucked it away and said, this is mine and mine alone. And it is immune from any kind of questioning or criticism. Then you step into a Hebraic family and that's all we do is question. Wah. That's what that means. So basically we're gonna be intentional about overturning respected traditions and customs. You would think we had a staff meeting. I, who picked this out? Derek. Derek. 
did not know that I was going to say that the entire night season was going to be overturning respected customs and traditions. Time to turn a leaf. Not, it's easy to overturn something that's gross. It's easy to give a sermon that porn's not good. Well, yes, mom, I need freedom. So you overturn the leaf. And yes, it's a problem. I'm not saying that that's not hard, but we're going deep. Why did we turn to that in the first place? Maybe because you've got a box here that you wouldn't let anyone question or criticize your belief system. And that belief system is making you walk compartmentalized. And so you're over here and then you're over, oh my gosh, there's just so much stuff. Oh. Whenever I get like that, just, just do that. If you giggle, just be like, gotcha, I got it. <laughs> but can you feel what happens when you have a belief system that says, this is my belief system, don't question it, don't criticize it. Here's my belief system, don't question it, criticize it. Here's a belief system, don't question, criticize it. And now all of a sudden we have a scattered people in and of ourselves because I will do anything to protect this, but then I can't be this over here, so then I'm gonna have to protect this, and then I can't be that over here, so I'm gonna have to protect this, and you are giving yourself to all of these other husbands, or all of these other idols, or all, you're subject now to a belief system, and don't get me going on how that belief system even got there. Maybe I should go just a little bit. Your belief system got there because you were in a state from newborn to the age of seven that absorbed every single thing in your life. You absorbed it. Good, bad, and different. You were a sponge. You had no analytical ability to analyze what you absorbed, but you absorbed it. You officially, by the age of seven, got your software program. You have a software program. I don't know anything about computers either. <laughs> but if I get a computer with a software program, I'm assuming I can't do anything on it because you need a hardwired program to do something on that system, but it does have a software. Maybe, yes. If I get a brand new computer and there's nothing on it for me to access my email, I have to download something on it so then guess what happens after the age of seven? You're getting all your apps. But your apps are functioning off of the software that you've been running on. So then you hardwire your analytical mind from the age of seven till when? Scientifically, do you guys know? Till when? Nope. 35. From the age of seven to 35. Some of us are beyond that stage. Noel, there's hope for you. <laughs> I will say this though, Noel, one more year is gonna have an easier time unwiring the hard wires than Regina. She volunteered, I didn't call her out. <laughs> He's gonna have an easier time. Rena's 10. 
she's going to have a lot easier time unwiring some hard wires than me. That's why it's easier to unwire a newly saved person than religion who's had it together for 40 years. Okay. What was I talking about? Soft wire. Okay. Oh, why do we have... Yeah, so why do we have those belief systems in the first place? If you can understand this, it'll be easier to allow your sacred cow to be like, here. Because you'll start to recognize the thing that you're protecting has been soft-wired and hard-wired from the age of newborn up until the age of 35. And I didn't plan to get into this, but we have talked about this a little bit more. But your human body only functions at 5% consciousness throughout the whole day. Only 5% that you're aware. Let me give an example. When you wake up in the morning, do you think to yourself, walk, and reteach yourself to walk? No, because it's programmed, you know to walk. So you don't tell yourself to breathe. You don't tell yourself to walk. You don't reteach yourself things that you learned when you were two, because you are, you are unconsciously 95% of the time, let me say it this way, you are 95% of the time a robot. Just going through life, soft-wired and hard-wired by your programs that you're protecting. So when you start to realize that when you're a sponge and you absorb all this stuff, then you begin to hardwire yourself based on your filters of what you absorbed, then you're hardwiring belief systems in your body. Why do you think he says that you may be a new creation? Because he needs him hardwired. He needs his ways hardwired, but we were born on this earth. And then we have this subconscious mind that's just having us walk and, and, and walk through life uh, basically subject to your belief systems. So what he's giving us a chance to do as a family is he's teaching us how to take those belief systems bring them to the forefront of our minds and say, I don't want to be a robot or a zombie to this hard wiring. So he's going to begin to teach us how to unwire those belief systems in order to give us his belief system. Does that make sense? So when I'm saying that when you get to a place where you are, you're saying don't question or criticize this belief system, you're ultimately saying, don't you dare question or criticize what I learned at the age of 15. And of course, I was all-knowing at 15. So therefore, I'm going to function out my life out of a 15-year-old's thought patterns. Like I said, I, could, I, I just want to go there but I'm not, I don't wanna, I don't wanna get into, into that too much, but I do believe that when we get through this, there are things that he's gonna open up to us to learn how to really live a transformed life, not just in the ways that we've known, but really, what does it mean to be co-creators in Christ? 
And does he want you creating something that's not new? If your belief system is already here and you're a co-creator out of that belief system, he's like, didn't do anything for me. I already created it. Not necessarily the belief system, but I've or you, you're not creating anything new under the sun. You're not a co-creator because you haven't created anything out of that place that he's already created. That's why we did talk about the uncreated realm and the created realm. Everything that he created is all created. Why are we trying to redo something he already created? He's asking for his sons and daughters to co-create with him, but he does not want us co-creating from a false belief system. He wants his belief system. So that is why we find ourselves in crisis to crisis in the first place because ultimately our belief systems we're trying to protect and he's trying to smash them down because he wants his people to be rewired. So we just have to remember that when our belief systems, when that sacred cow comes up and we're like, but no, this is what I was told. But he wants us to unwire that so that he can rewrite, amen? for people who listen to the podcast because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense I'm sure um, let me just give an example of where I believe that we're going um, I my fast had a lot to do with medication independence and I laid all of that down I will say that the fast didn't change anything I am still not taking any medications and I am still sleeping through the night and uh, it's powerful, powerful, because what he did was he basically started to bring up addiction. And I'm like, I don't have an, ad what? I don't have an addicted bone in my body. I like wine. I, I could, I don't, you watch me drink that. I don't, you guys should see how many bottles, I love wine. I love the concept of wine. And I still have wine bottles you've probably given me last year. I just, I don't have an addicted bone in my body. He's like, yes, you do. You know that belief system that you're attached to it gets so deep he starts to show me that my body my internal body this is not my mind this is why religion doesn't work mind over matter tell your body to calm down it's not gonna work your body thinks it's your mind that's why we talked about the heart and mind alignment there's so much with this but the example is as he showed me I'm addicted to anxiety I don't struggle with anxiety. I'm not subject to anxiety. In fact, science has actually said this, you got, I'm, I might not even get to tonight. Science is starting to shift and teach us that DNA, like we once thought, is not what you think. I'm predestined. I'm subject to, it's in my DNA line. Do you know that you have the power to switch on and off your DNA based on your thoughts and your feelings? And you are not predisposed to obesity or addiction or cancer. Why are we not taught this? We're just taught, if you have a problem, come get prayer. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but that, that he wants us empowered 
to be unwired to our thought patterns so that we can live a transformed life to be the answer for others. The things that I'm starting to tap into, I've been telling him, I need law enforcement right now. I should have been the chaplain. Like I, I will, and they would eat this up. The church will not give me law enforcement because what I have watched him go through and he even retired early, I cannot even imagine the levels of stress that they are constantly operating in. Your adrenal glands get, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Your body goes into shutdown mode. That's why they'll say you'll retire and then uh, two years later they're dead. We, but that's not the end, that's not the end story. We have the power to rewrite every single traumatic thing you went through. And we have the ability to learn how to unwire all of that to bring in something new moving forward. So I say that because out of the fast, he tells me I'm addicted to anxiety. I don't struggle with it. I'm addicted to it. That's why I was taking medicine. Fix me. I have this problem, so I need this to help me. And he's like, you have it in you. We gotta get at the root of the addiction. Then he started teaching me that I've been, when you're addicted to something, you'll create situations to fulfill the chemical need to fulfill what my body's asking for. And I've been over here blaming all of you guys. <laughs> that is a true story. <laughs> I'm subject to all you guys, and mothering just, I don't know how to do this, and it's, but now I'm stressed, and now you guys made me not sleep all night. And he's like, no, you're hardwired, because you lived in a state of stress, and you were successful under that stress. So your success is based on your chemical dependence on stress, so you create situations in your life, even if they're not stressful, you make them stressful so you'll be successful. So, this is what I'm talking about. A family that's willing to go low because I'm, I'm after more than porn. I, we're gonna get at that. But can you imagine a people that says you should see the inside of me? I am blaming my boss for my addiction. That guy, he just comes and tells me what to do all the time. It ain't him, it's you. Because you're creating a situation to fulfill, and of course it sounds crazy. I'm not addicted to anxiety. I'm trying to take medication to not be anxiety. I, my thoughts don't want it, but my body says you need it. So my body is getting these chemicals from my brain into my body and it is requiring, this is what the law of attraction starts to come into play. I am self-prophesying over myself. I am full of anxiety, so I have anxiety situations in my life. Now you start to understand scripture, but why and how and what and how are we a mirror and a reflection? And what does it mean when mom goes, it's not about them, it's about you. But it's not, this is real. No, I know it's real, but it's in you. It wouldn't have found you if it wasn't in you. I say me first, because it's just it's deep work. 
And I'm not saying that that other stuff's not deep, but there are things in our lives that he is just ripping because he wants to question and criticize our belief systems. Are we okay? So this, no. <laughs> yeah, are you guys okay? I don't know. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, I've taught on this before and I'm just gonna say it again. This is why mind over matter doesn't work and this is why declarations don't work. This is why the church is not seeing healings because all we do is declare and decree. But if you are not in alignment and you don't feel what you're declaring and decreeing, then you're not unwiring anything. You're just saying you want to unwire it. Does it say that a house divided will stand? A house not divided will, a house divided will not stand. So if I'm saying you are not supposed to be anxious and my heart is going, you are you need anxiety. I am a house divided that cannot stand, and so I'm freaking out. I'm all like this all the time. So he's, he, is, does that make sense? So he's, he's wanting, he's, anyways. So it's deeper. We've talked about a house divided cannot stand. I remember talking about it all the time in religion that, you know, this would be my turn to get up here and be like, a house divided cannot stand. So John and Missy, can you guys figure it out? Have you guys been in any of those sermons? A house divided cannot stand. So this family better unite. Yes. How am I supposed to tell them to unite when I'm all... Like in my body, I'm not even coherent myself. I'm not in alignment. I'm, I'm a house. This is why you can go to people and say, pray for me and we're not seeing miracles because we're not walking in healing. So, so um, okay. So you guys know that we've been going through these pillars, right? This house or whatever you'd want to call it. All it is is a visual. We're not actually building a house, but it's a visual that he, yeah, that he showed me, and it, I, Regina asked a powerful question. She goes, Where, how do you get the pillars? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, did you hear him audibly? Did you feel it? Did, I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I think that this is how it happened. When he started telling me, when I woke up to blood versus blood, right? It was like, that's a pillar in your life. Like, he'll say something really simple. But then I'm a visual learner, so I'm like, oh, okay, like a cathedral pillar. And then all of a sudden, he'll just start to show things. And so we've been building this, right? We've been building these pillars, and he's been giving us some foundational tools. And I do believe that up until this point, we have looked at those pillars very personal, right? Blood versus blood in me. Walking in him in me, right? Like... It was about us, and, um, and it's still about us. But I believe that this night season, there's going to be a shift to where we're going to actually be going, not literally going through these pillars, but we're going to be going through these pillars with the mindset of the culture. So it's no longer about me, blood versus blood. I want you to know what the church says about blood versus blood. 
And I want you to know what Israel says about blood versus blood. And I want you to know what the world says about blood versus blood. Because the more we get outside of ourselves and see the bigger picture, we're going to be able to understand what it is that he's after. So this night season is about sacred cows, but not so much... They're all interrelated, but it's not so much about us, but it's about the sacred cows of the church or the sacred cows of Western culture or the sacred cows of the world so that we can get an understanding of what happened. How did I get hardwired like this? Why did this become my sacred cow? It's not even mine. How did we get there? And so you're going to feel it personal, but it's going to be very much a cultural perspective as we go through this night season. So try to remain unoffended when I basically say things like, well, I mean, I've said something as crazy as this before, but Christianity being the Antichrist. Every time I say that, I pee a little. (laughs) Because we have to understand that Christianity was not around when the early church was around. That formed 300 years after his death. And it was Roman Catholicism. Christianity's roots are in Roman Catholicism. And then from there, then we were in the Reformation. We were like, yeah, break away from the rules. You have another set of rules. And then we reformed again. And then it was like, well, that didn't work. So we reformed again. And, 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 and I, I, I don't want us to Lutheran? But my mom is Lutheran. Right? Like when I say things, I don't want us to look at that box. I want us to look from the bigger picture because when I start saying things um, like what happened in the 16th era, I mean, I, I, what happened in the first, second, and third era, right? Or not era, but in the centuries. There's things that happened in our culture that formed us on why we are today. One of them is science. This is why we lost New Age. New Age is ours. But we lost New Age because I don't believe that the church did what they were supposed to do because they never taught on anything anything beyond the physical science. And there's, there's, uh, we have uh, not proof, but this is not what the point of tonight is. But what I'm saying is something happened to the church in the 1500s with uh, Sir Isaac Newton and a separation began to happen. Do we know this? So then when you know your roots and you understand that science was pulled out of the church and was essentially given, you stay over there, we'll stay over here, we just got robbed. Then when a new era comes in and science starts to become a huge part of it and I start talking about energies because Yahweh is an energy and not just like, no, he is not, he is a white man (laughs) with a beard. When I say something like he's energy, what does it mean that he hovered over? What does that mean when we begin to see him and it's not the Western Jesus? Don't freak out on me. He's restoring something that was robbed from you because you're willing to not say, this is, but this is my belief system, but your belief system is tainted because you were hardwired and softwired to absorb that you're not supposed to be involved in science. So now when science comes in, it's like, oh, you better not touch that. And this is, this, oh, 
There was something I heard the other day and I busted up laughing so hard and I'm not even sure where this fits in, but I'm just gonna say it. But we were, most of us were raised or in the Pentecostal church. We were liberal, right? We know about energy, we're shaking and hollering and, right? Like we, we were, Pentecostal was, were good. It was all the other churches that didn't have the spirit. We had the spirit. But I was also told, you can talk to all the demons you want, but don't you worship an angel. You can cast out demons all day long, you can speak right to them in their face, but you start talking that you started talking to an angel, you're a heretic. So all of a sudden I get an encounter with an angel, and it's like, does this make any sense? I can talk to demons, but I can't talk to an angel. Have you read the scriptures? Angels are a huge part of his realm and we were liberal meaning like Pentecostal like we, we I think we liked Ruach I mean we would sing more than three songs I mean if it was feeling right right like you you get to that third song they're getting it let's go for another one you know you give the pastor the worship leader like you look back at the body all had the hand motions <laughs> right like just yeah he blew the trumpet just keep that mm, that was a good sound right like we were liberal and yet we were still robbed from is all I'm saying so there are things that have been you've been told don't you talk to that rock don't you don't you don't you call on the name of those angels You do have a guide. You have one assigned to you. You don't even know who they are. Because you were told it's only Jesus. That's it. Until Sunday morning. Then you can shake and rattle and roll. But outside of that, it's just Jesus. <laughs> Does that make any sense? We were a house divided. Okay. So, does that make sense with the pillars? I feel that they're, okay, so then this is what I saw. So we've been going through the pillars and it's been very personal and now we're gonna go through them culturally. What I saw though was we did this big tear down in order to build, right? And that was awesome. What I saw was there's these pillars and then I saw like an overlay, almost like tracing paper maybe, like an overlay of some pillars still in the house titled the sacred cows and what we're going to be doing this night season is basically kicking those pillars down but he said now's the time to go deeper and i will allow those pillars to come down because you have a structure to hold you up we were once in a season where we just had to be okay with tearing everything down. We began to build, and so we're building, but it doesn't mean that we haven't been building with some things still in the house. So there are some of us that are like, blood versus blood. And then there might be, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, here's a good one. Walking in him. Yeah, his ways are higher than our ways. And then you're like also holding on to, 
but I won't walk through walls. So there's this pillar walking in him. Well, that doesn't mean literally. So there's like this, this level of like, yeah, his ways are higher than my ways. And so we're going to learn how to walk on water. Wood. <laughs> but when someone comes in and kicks that pillar down, you're not going to be like, Wah! because you just have to walk it in him. That may, I feel like that's what's going to happen. So it's going to be very much a cultural shift. Why is the church not walking in miracles? Well, because it's not for today. And then that gets kicked out of you. And then you're like, okay, okay, walking in him. Okay, okay, walking in him. Um, let me think of another example. Are you guys already thinking of an example? What was one of the other pillars? Oh, heritage. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, oh yeah, no, totally. Like Abraham. What's that guy's name? Why do you keep saying Avram? <laughs> Father Abraham. And Mary, so wonderful. I don't know the song. Right? So you're holding on to this pillar. You're like, yeah, Abraham, he's my heritage. He wasn't a Jew, he was a Hebrew. Oh, well, no, I'm an American. <laughs> so you're, there's still these pillars that were kind of like, well. So when I, does that, okay. Language. Oh, that makes sense. The Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. Okay, I get it. So we'll learn some Hebrew. <laughs> We're going to like use blue letter Bible and translate some words. This will be fun. <laughs> and then I'm like, there's a language that you knew before you spoke American. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I'm Mexican American. <laughs> I don't know, whatever, our, whatever your sacred cow is, I don't want to get too crazy. Okay, I'll get a little crazy. I did not plan this, this is really good. Here's my bow, here's, okay, so here's the biggest one. Are you guys ready? This is ultimately what we're spending the night season on. Okay, so when you guys are holding on to the covenant pillar, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, he broke a covenant. I get all his promises, and I'm not required to do anything. <laughs> right? Because covenant is one-sided, and he's just so glorious, and his grace and salvation. Yeah. And then we're like... <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> So then the pillar that you're like, well, I mean, you just mean the new covenant. And then we're like, no. Okay, covenant. I have covenant. I have covenant. His promises are yes and amen. And I am blessed and I am the head and not the tail. Right? That's what I feel like is going to happen because you're just going to be like, yeah, covenant. That totally makes sense. And then we're like, do you know what the covenant is? Yeah. Or are you just talking about like the gospels? And then you're like, don't, don't do it. This is my belief system. My mother's mother, 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 Tommy. <laughs> right? Right? You know, and then all of we're like, you know, relax, like. 
You'll have covenant to hold on to and be like, yes, there's a blessing with covenant. I'm not divorced. Okay, it's going to be all right. Does that make, okay. <laughs> this was not supposed to be funny. Okay, so I'm going to be super plain. The greatest lie ever told in Christianity. I actually was going to ask for a... I loves my screeching. I do do that a lot. I was thinking that I wanted the whiteboard and you guys could tell me what you thought the greatest lie was. Okay. Okay. The greatest lie ever told in Christianity was that Christ put an end to the Old Testament. I'm going to go down the line. These are straight from Google. And it makes me... That was not funny either. It makes me sick. <laughs> Be careful. I dare you. What I'm about to talk about tonight, Google it. It will mess you up. The greatest lie ever told in Christianity is that none of the Old Testament law is binding on Christians. Old worship regulations are not required. The Ten Commandments are the first of the 613 given by God to the Jews. They're Jewish commandments. Ten commandments and the rest of the Mosaic law were nailed. Okay. You might want to close your eyes for this one. The Ten Commandments and the rest of the Mosaic law were nailed to the cross with Christ. The contract was complete and it did not carry over to the Christian age. Greatest lie ever told in Christianity summed up as he did away with the Torah. You can read it, but it does not apply. And while most of us have been through enough to recognize that that's a lie, when you start walking out that pillar, everything changes your whole world gets flipped upside down because your belief system does not make sense anymore <clears throat> this is that one i'm reading from google google this isn't a pastor this isn't just like the the church down the street this is google I don't know why that's so powerful to me. Meaning, it is so, duh, it's so out there, it's so ingrained that Google says the Ten Commandments and the rest of the Mosaic Law were nailed to the cross with Christ, contract complete and did not carry over to the Christian age. You are not obligated to obey any of it. You are now under Christ's law and Christ's law has two and that's to love him and love your neighbor. 
that is, I mean, that is Christianity. That, that is, that is, that is the, what do you call that? The statement of faith. That is the Christian statement of faith that was, that arose in 300 AD with Roman Catholic Church. That's your belief system. And I, I added in parentheses, you can read it, but you don't have, but it doesn't apply. Because someone came up to me after service and said, where did you get that pastors teach that the law has been done away with? We read the Old Testament all the time in Christianity. Yes, do you have to listen to it or obey it? Oh, no. It's just for context. And maybe some of us are holding on to that pillar being like, well, yeah. Meaning I recognize that when I say that, some of us might be like, well, yeah, it was done away with. And I don't have to obey that. And it was nailed to the cross. And the contract is complete. And it did not transfer over. And that's okay because he gave us the pillar of covenant when that gets kicked out from underneath you. But it is getting kicked out. So the night season is that the greatest lie ever told to us, to Christianity, what? as plain as day as Google will just tell you the statement of faith of all Christianity, is that the Old Testament is not relevant and it does not apply. And that Christ basically abolished, took care of all that, he completed it, it's done, and so it's not for you. Just like science has not been for you. Just like many other things that have been robbed from his people that we have not had, so then we're softwired, we've absorbed this, then we hardwire our belief systems off of that mindset that then transforms our entire life. So that's why I said that your, your world will turn upside down because it's a huge statement of faith. That is a huge statement of faith. And some of us may not understand that that's a huge statement because that is our statement of faith. So it may not seem like it's this huge, crazy problem because that's what we've lived by. Again, that's our don't question, don't criticize my belief system, I know but we just told him we don't. So we're gonna let him look at that. Is what I was told 300 AD by the Pope what I'm supposed to be defending and holding on to? Or is there more? I'm gonna take it a step further. Not only does Christianity say that Jesus Christ nailed it to the cross and it did not transfer over into the new era, but that that's why he came to free you from all the rules and regulations. He came here to lift all of that burden off of you. So, really quickly, we have adopted a thought pattern that believes that Christianity is easy, filled with grace, and it's only about salvation. Versus Christianity 
is harder. When I say the word, I'm going to get to a place where we're not, I am going to get to a place where I am not a Christian. Meaning I'm going to get to a place where I'm going to be able to boldly say, like I'm saying right now, I am not a Christian. And it is crazy because I have had major attacks. You have blasphemy in this name and you've, you, you don't even follow Jesus anymore. And I'm getting to the point where instead of defending, I'm like, I don't. That white man you call Jesus is not who I follow. And the Christianity that you're involved in has been so twisted and tainted. I am okay to say neither Jew nor Gentile. If you want to put me in a category because I said no, that's fine. But I'm not, I'm not going to identify anymore with anything other than I'm a nobody. So, so I, it's hard for me to say because I'm talking about talking about Christianity, but essentially Yeshua made it harder. So not easier. And it's not just by grace, but he's the example. And then it's not only for salvation, but it's to prepare us for what's to come. Isn't that different? Why does he say seek first the kingdom? We've adopted. Christianity is easy. What, what was the other one? only salvation and full of grace. So then we miss out on that he's an example? That I walk the narrow of narrows? This matters, read Revelations. You think we're gonna be flying around in an easy fellowship hall with donuts? Right? I mean, come on. This is, I'm not saying don't eat donuts. I mean, donuts are great. But if, if we've made the gospel about a bunny and a Santa and a donut, what it's what read how does that line up about his grace and it's easy and it's free? How does that line up then with what's to come? It doesn't. So you're a house divided. You're all over the place. I'm not addicted. Yes, I am. I'm not addicted. Yes, I am. That's what we're doing as Christians. We're, we're just, his grace is easy, his burden is light, and walk the narrow of narrows. It's like, you, we, we, don't, we don't know what we're talking about. We're all over the place. Okay. You okay? Are you guys okay? So is that clear? That what we're dismantling, we are gonna be dismantling a lot but as we built from the floor up, I see us tackling covenant and it'll just kind of fall from there. Meaning we're not gonna go through blood versus blood again, but we're just gonna be tackling covenant, 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 and through that blood versus blood is gonna get dealt with. If there's any sacred pillars you're holding onto, they'll fall. If heritage is a problem, it'll fall. Right, if language is a problem, if walking in him is a problem, it'll begin to fall because we're gonna be looking at it from a cultural perspective and allowing him to really deal with covenant and that will allow any pillars that don't belong in the house to come down. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. Okay. I still have a few more things. Are you guys all right? Okay, so we're gonna do um, a couple things. This is super practical. But this is going to be one practical thing for this family that's going to help us begin to build a really strong foundation. Uh, and I am really, really excited about it um, because we have an opportunity to align with his times. And well, let me just uh, pass this out here, Jason.
we are going to be doing Torah portions. How many of you have heard of Torah portions? How, oh, let me say that. How many of you, how many have not heard of Torah portions? Okay. So basically, what this is, is a um, global Bible study of a set of scriptures that the largest community that is unified reads. This is not a Lutheran Bible study. This is not a Catholic Bible study. This is not a Christian Bible study, and this is not a Jew Bible study. Okay? This is not based on religion. Does everybody have one? You can find these online. And how many of you guys have the Tree of, uh, the tree of Life version? It's in the back of your Bible. Have you guys seen that? It's in the back of your Bible. The only thing that's not in there is the date. So this is going to give us the date that coincides with where we're at. If you ever want it, it's in the back of your Bible. You just won't have the date, but we're going we're gonna to stay on track with these dates. The other cool thing that's in this Tree of Life version is it also has a New Testament portion. This, so let me, I'll, let me get into that. So basically the best way to explain this is, can we agree, just like someone came up to me after service one night and said, oh yeah, we were always told by our pastor to read it. So we do believe that the Old Testament is the Bible, right? To the degree that you understand it, to the degree that you obey it, to the degree that you know it, to the degree that you throw it away or receive it, Yahweh's going to deal with that, but we know we can read the word, right? So this puts us on a level playing ground. It allows us to step on common ground with the two houses, okay? So what, the, what Torah portions are is there is a, a literal portion of Torah there's going to be a literal portion of the prophets, and then there's a portion of the gospels. And then if you have the Tree of Life uh, version, the Jewish Voice Bible in the back, there's also a portion of um, just, just the renewed covenant. So it could be Revelations, it could be, it could be Hebrews, it'll have different, different scriptures with it. But this will be the, the foundation. What's so powerful is Bereshit starts on Shabbat tonight. Right after Tabernacles, we get to start right in the beginning. This isn't some random thing that I was like, hey, this would be a cool idea in June. Isn't that so cool? I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who knew that, but I did not know that it started new. Makes sense. He dwells with us. It's a new day. We're in the beginning. We just finished Tabernacles. So Bereshit, in the beginning, starts tomorrow, starts Shabbat. We have one week to study these portions or read these portions. This is going to be outside of Friday. This is outside of podcast night. This is outside. This is just your reading the word. Not diagram. What do you call that? Checklist or, you know, you go on those apps and like, what, you know, gives you like a, a thing to read. This is, this is the problem. We're scattered. You've got this pastor that's got this by you've got this, you got this. This is global. 
This is standard. This is not made up. This will be the same next year. These scriptures don't change. The dates change, but the scriptures don't change. And there is a global community, both Jew and Gentile, that does this worldwide. They're studying the same thing. So at any time, you can tap into a community. I don't know how to say these words. And you could say, well, we're on bow. I'm in Exodus number 15. And everyone is all on the same page, reading the same things. And there's, you know, there's so many things that you can tap into. You can tap into Torah clubs and different things that you can, um, you know, get involved in if you need, you know, deeper understanding as far as like an actual Bible study. But at least we'll be reading the same thing. You guys excited about that? So, Bereshit, it's a great place to be. We don't know in the beginning. <laughs> we don't know in the beginning. So that's where we're going to be starting. So basically you have from Shabbat to Shabbat or from Shabbat till you come to the next Friday night service to read through Genesis 1-1 uh, to 6-8, Isaiah 42-5 through 43-10, and John 1, 1 through 17. And then if, you're, if, you're, um, if you have this list, there's also one in, Re I, I believe it's Revelations. Is it Revelations? So there's a, there's a portion in Revelations. So we'll all be reading the same thing at once. And I, obviously I encourage discussion, whether it be on Boxer or if you're getting together for us to really begin to dive into these and we'll see where he takes us. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. So this, um, so that basically all that I just said was like the title. <laughs> And I actually had planned on shooting down some sacred cows tonight. Um, but I'm only going to do one. So are you guys okay if we just kind of start to kick off? And then we'll basically be picking this up next week with some of, uh, some of this stuff. Like I was like, this scripture in Colossians, I bet you've all read it this way. Wait till I put this filter on it. And you're going to be like, whoa! It's crazy. It is crazy. I'll just say it really quick. The scripture in Colossians says, don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone judge you for the moon festivals and don't let anyone judge you about food and drink. So all of you guys that start thinking I'm crazy because I don't eat pork anymore, which I don't eat pork anymore. I'm on a journey. Do I know all 613 laws? No, because I have a belief system that said I didn't ever need to know them. I'm unwiring that belief system. So if anybody, this goes for you guys when we were talking, like when somebody says, oh yeah, well, do you put cheese with your red meat? Do you put cheese on your burger? Like you might get those questions when you start saying, I don't eat pork. Oh, you don't eat pork? Well, what about this law? I'm on a journey. I'm starting to learn that these loving instructions are not for salvation. They point me to salvation, but that they're to keep me a set apart people and to keep me healthy. So then when I back it up with science and pork is filled with worms and pigs are, tox are full of toxins and they don't sweat, so you're eating their... All of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I wonder why he told me not to do that. But we're just going to sweat the blood of Jesus will set me free. <laughs> why you got cancer? But I went to the elders for prayer and we're a house divided and we're not getting any healing. But I'm on a journey. Can I answer every question? No. 
I don't, I don't know, I, but I'm on a journey. And there are some things that he's starting to highlight and then there are others I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I don't, but I'm on a journey. And so when you start to hear me say things, I want us to begin to understand that he's just starting to unravel that. So when people start to be like, oh yeah, well, if you're Jewish, then do you do this? I, I, I don't know. I don't know all of it, but I do know he's starting to speak to me about some things. And it's okay, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a process. Is that okay? Is that okay to say we don't know, that we're in a process, and don't let people... This is where I'm gonna insert mother and father. I'm gonna have to bring this all back around. Remind me to bring it all back around. Okay, Yeshua, right? Easy, grace, salvation, right? But then there's the narrow of narrows, right? There's this, it's harder. The law says don't cheat. Yeshua says don't think about cheating. Okay, so that means that that was a shadow. This teaches me not, okay, I'm gonna walk, and then all of a sudden Yeshua comes in your heart, and Ruach comes in your heart, and then all of a sudden the Torah is written on your heart, and you're like, I don't even think about cheating. Where do you think that came from? Because you're just cool? No, it's written on your heart that you wouldn't walk wrong. Okay. But what I'm getting at is we have to be careful, and, I'm, and, I, and I, I have to come across strong because I'm trying to break the belief system. So I have to come in and just be like, the greatest lie is that, it, that, you know, that it was nailed to the cross, right? Because I'm trying to break up this belief system. But here's what we're not going to do as a family. You are not going to become Jewish. And you are not going to abide by these laws for salvation. And you're not going to come underneath something because you, that's what's going to save you. Yeshua is the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice, and the only reason why you have access as an example to be able to follow his ways. He is Torah. So you can't say, I don't want that, but then want him. But we're also not going to say, I want all Torah and no Yeshua. That's not what this is about. So when I'm coming on strong, it's because I'm trying to break a belief system. If I came in here all like, I want what I want to do, and it's okay, then you would just keep on to your belief system. You'd be like, well, I still don't need that. You need both mother and father. You need grace. You need nurturing, but you need the narrow of narrows. You need to be corrected, and you need some discipline. So what's happening is, is the house is divided because we've got Christianity being like, you can be a whore all you want. His grace is sufficient and you don't have any accountability and you and, and you're good and it's just you're fine. But then you've got the other side of things and you're like, you, there's there's no wiggle room and you're just abiding, abiding by all these laws. And now if you do this, then I'll obtain and I have to work to get into it. No, that is an overflow of having it. The problem is, as Christianity taught you that you don't need an overflow. You just have it. So the issue is, is because. The fruit of the Spirit is that if he is in you and Torah is on your heart, you would want to obey his instructions. You wouldn't. Okay. If, if uh, we have a high priest, yes? Okay. Did that high priest pay a price for you to be arrogant and say, thanks for doing all the work? So you can just live by however you want? No. But you do have a high priest, praise the Lord, because he said, don't think about cheating. So there is grace. 
So if you do away with the high priest and you go back into that sacrificial place and you want all restriction, you're going to be, you're going to be, we need both mother and father. We need the father's instructions and we need Ruach. That making sense? We are going to be a house not divided. This is a house that is going to honor both. The problem is, is that we've been ingrained or hardwired that you don't need a father's instructions. All, it's all about mommy. Well, I, you guys know when I say that. Yes and no. <laughs> because also Ruach and the nurture will be the first one cast out of a church. <laughs> when things start getting crazy and you start walking right and you start convicting others because you're shaking on the inside with some rules and regulations because he's cleaning me from the inside out. The first thing to go is Ruach. That worship service got a little crazy. Shut it down. Right? Okay, four songs, but we get to five. I got a sermon to preach. So then you push it down. So you're, you're still, you're this house divided. And depending on what's going on, you're, 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 you're teetering between works and tweetering between, tweetering? Teetering between, I don't have to do anything. Right? And we are ba not balanced in the sense of um, mediocre but we have balance because we have both. That makes sense? I, Because I will come on strong and it is gonna sound like I am just ripping Christianity a new one, and I am. But that does not mean that I have done away with his name. That does not mean that I do not believe in my Messiah, that I do not believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, that I understand what it is and who he is and that he is Torah. And if I want to follow like him, that he's the example, that he did it so I can and I have access to be just like him, not use him. Thank you for doing all of that for me so I can continue to eat pork. Grace. So I can do whatever I want. Why he paid the whole price, but it's not the other way around either where you're supposed to not eat pork thinking you're going to get saved. You can eat no pork all day long. You don't have the Torah written on your heart, which means him inside of you. You're not going to heaven. Another sacred cow that I'm not going to touch. But does that, does that, so... Just want to make sure that I'm clarifying this entire night season, <laughs> what this is about. So, all right. Well, Derek, you turned it around on me. Okay, so I'm only going to give you two scriptures. I wanted to give 50. Oh yeah, I started down that road, the one in Colossians. Wait till this comes, because Christians use that word, that scripture all the time. Don't you let anyone judge you for what you eat and don't eat because Yeshua came for you to eat pork. So don't let the Jews judge you for, for that. That is not what that scripture is saying. And when you begin to take the, the, the veil off your eyes and you begin to read what he's saying, you are gonna be blown out of the water what he's saying not to be judged by. I'll just say this. Basically, he's saying, don't you let those Christians judge you for putting a menorah in your doorway. Don't you let pagans judge you for what you eat and don't eat. Don't you let pagans judge you for the moon and the fall festivals and the feasts that you start 
honoring. <laughs> you guys are going to love Paul when I'm done with you. Paul was the point of contention, and he's the free man, and he said not to, you're going to love him? Anyways, that's just one. Does that make, throughout the night season, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be breaking down these scriptures. Uh, we are not going to get into the renewed covenant with Paul, because that just opens up a whole can of worms. We're going to just kind of stay with what Yeshua said for a while. That's, to me, that's the easiest thing to do. I don't want to get into all of, well, what about Colossians? And what was the context? And which church was he talking to? And which law was he talking about? And why is he schizophrenic in Romans? And it's half holy and half not. And what are they talking about? It's just, it, you can make a sermon out of anything. Let's just say that. Google it. And you will find your doctrine that says that it was nailed to the cross. And you'll have Colossians. Right? So that's, but the red word. What did Yeshua say? That's where we're going to focus. But today, I'm not going to even focus on that. I'm going to give you a scripture in Genesis, and I'm going to give you a scripture in Revelations to kick this whole thing off. I should have probably drank my wine. <laughs> okay. Genesis 26. Wow. Genesis 26, I'm going to actually start like verse three and a half, four. <laughs> uh, Genesis 26, uh, verse three, in the middle of three. <clears throat> this is the chapter where he is confirming the covenant with Isaac. For to you and to your seed, I give all these lands. And I will confirm my pledge that I swore to Abraham, your father. Verse four, I will multiply your seed like the stars of the sky, and I will give your seed all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will continually be blessed. Why? Because Abraham listened to my voice, kept my charge, my mitzvot, which is law, my decrees and my instructions. There is a generational blessing if you listen to his voice and you obey his laws. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but this is where the sacred cow comes in. Well, yeah, for the Jews in the Old Testament. We're not even in Exodus yet. The law has not even been given to Moses yet. 400 years, actually probably closer to 500. Don't quote me on that. I'm just thinking generationally. The law was not given to Moshe to give to the people for another 500 years. And Avraham was obeying his law. And there was a generational blessing for his obedience to that law. So when Christianity says on Google, that it was nailed to the cross, or or let's or all the other one. That's that's a Jewish law. The Old Testament is for the Jews. Only they have to do it. All that it's for the Jews. This is Judah. There were no Jews in chapter 26. Judah was born in. I am super simple with the word, guys. Genesis 29. It's chronological. Genesis 29. I'm in chapter 26. We're talking about Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. 
Jacob had 12 sons. Judah had not even been born yet. How was Abraham following the commandments that were only for Judah? He wasn't even here yet. Father Abraham had many sons, right? We grew up with this father, but when he does something, all of a sudden, that's not for me. That's just for one of his grandchildren. What? Isaac, Jacob, yeah. Judah would be his grandchild, a grandchild. So, so all of the seed, you will be given all the nations, as many as the stars. Why? Because your father. You don't want to do it, do it for your kids. Then we'll question mothering and fathering. All of your seed, as many as the stars, and we have demoted that blessing and his obedience to a Jew thing when the Jews weren't even born. We're not going to get into it a lot tonight, but fast forward 500 years. We have to remember, Genesis is pre-Pharaoh, pre-Egypt, <laughs> before captivity, pre-Israel. Jacob wasn't even born yet. Pre-all of that, he is blessed for obeying, reading his commandments, Understanding them for context. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will continually be blessed because Avraham knew the law but didn't have to obey him. Okay. Does that make sense? That Judah was born three chapters later. Then they grow up then the whole thing happens where they sell Joseph and then he ends up in Egypt and all that kind of stuff. And Egypt was a great thing at one point. And then all of the family ended up in Egypt under uh, Joseph's care, right? Then they stayed too long and then it became, uh, uh, they became uh, under Pharaoh and they didn't like how they were multiplying. I wonder why they were multiplying and why they were so blessed. So then, uh, then they become slaves, and then out of slavery, Exodus comes. Do you see how fast this happens? When you read the word from Genesis 25th to Exodus 1, all of a sudden, 200 years has gone by, and we forget the longevity of what it is that Avraham was carrying. So then, so then I, I'm just saying this really quick. They go through Exodus, and then what happens as they're in the wilderness? A tabernacle is built. Are all the tribes there? They all went to Egypt and they all multiplied and they all exodusted. What's the word? They all left and they all went through the wilderness and then Moshe comes along. Well, I mean, before they left, but, and then, he gets the download to write down what's given to him. And then they give it to the tribes and all of the tribes are involved in this. Judah, Benjamin, Reuben, Simon, Naphtali, Gad, they're all there. That's why it says, tell B'nai, 
Israel. Tell the sons of Israel. Who's Israel? Who wrestled? Jacob. This is very simple. Jacob is Israel. Tell the sons of Israel. They all were sons, not just Judah, but somehow Google said that this is for the Jews. What about the Benjamins? I don't even know if ben Benjamin, I don't know if Benjamites are Christian or not. It doesn't matter. I don't know if the Levites are Christian or not. It doesn't, why did this become a Jew thing? I don't know where the Benjamites are. Is that, right? It's like Christians and Jews. Well, what about the Levites? We're just, they're just, what I'm saying is, is that they were all there. They all received the law, which was the same law that their great, 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 obviously at this point, 500 years, father followed. They were all there. We won't understand it till we get into it later, but then a great divorce happens. When that divorce happens way later on, Babylonian exile, that's when things start to get wonky, and that's where our hardwire comes in. Northern Kingdom, Southern, Southern Kingdom, that's where it was Jews versus all the other, all the other uh, tribes. And then you get really crazy when Yeshua shows up on the scene. Because Yeshua comes to say, I want them both. But Christians said, oh no, it's just us, the church. It's a new religion, Christianity, that was built 300 years later. It doesn't even have anything to do with the tribes because it doesn't matter. Okay, there's Genesis. That was an okay cow, right? It was a good, good introduction, Cal. Revelations. Who doesn't want to touch Revelations? Ever. Just me? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Revelations 14. So again, I'm super simple in the word. So there's this great thing that happens in the end. And then Revelations 14 is like right smack in the middle. Let's just say that. I don't care. Pre, post, during, leave, here. I don't care. I'm not touching that box yet. I mean, we have, but I'm just that, whatever. We're in chapter 14. We're in the middle of the end days. Let's just say that, okay? Verse, uh, Chapter 14, verse 12 of Revelations. There are angels with some messages, but remember, don't you talk to them. I, and they, these are great messages from these angels. I, I mean, wait till you find out what Babylonian is in us. And who is Babylonian? Who is pagan? Could it be the religion that we've known for 1700 years one of the messages is fallen fallen is the Babylonian uh, Babylon the great she who made all nations drink of the wine of the fury of her immorality Does that sound like anything possibly why we've been judging that the immorality is like all those sinners out there could it be we've been drinking of something that has caused you to stay divorced to stay in exile and not be part of the two houses <clears throat> that's gonna be a big cow so I'm just saying, these angels are speaking to some things, but let's go to verse 12. So basically this angel says, is talking about, there is going to be a, a fury. Those that have taken on the Babylonian system are a part of this system. Marks on their head, their hands, 
Do you remember during the day season that he's trying to tear down some systems? Whatever system, remember my addiction, I am ingrained in a rewired system that is saying that my body needs a chemical addiction to anxiety. What's the mark then? And I'm just saying, you know, the mark of the beast is going to be this thing. And it's like, but what is the mark? Okay, I'm, anyways. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. Those who worship this beast and its image and those who receive the mark of his name have no rest day or night. Another, well, never mind. I'm just saying make this personal. No rest day and night. You can read about pharmakia. Okay, so what is the mark, right? So, So, okay. Verse 12, here is the perseverance of the Kiddoshim, the remnant, the saints. Those that persevere of the Kiddoshim, those who what? Keep the commandments of God and the faith of Yeshua. Do you see the two houses? Those that understand that it is about Yeshua and keeping his commandments. The problem is, is we've been robbed and we've been saying it's all about Yeshua. And the Jews have been robbed because they're saying that it's all about the law and it's about both. But you will not receive the mark of the beast if you are obedient to his, his commandments and you have Yeshua in you. I'm showing you these scriptures because there is a theme from Genesis to Revelations outside of the muddiness of anything else. Because all of you could have said, well, that's great about Avraham, but that was pre-Yeshua. Okay, then we'll go to Revelations. That is, we can agree on that, right? Post-Yeshua. It is what's to come, and he's telling you how to persevere this time. How to persevere through the systems that are going to be pushed on you, the systems that are not even pushed on you, but the systems you're defending. The systems you're entrapped in, the systems that you're guarding, the systems that you've been softwired and hardwired to say these, you better not criticize. You better not question this belief system. You will not fall trapped to that mark if those two things are in you, which is not being a divided house. Okay, one more. Revelations. Basically, those two things are the antidote to the beast. All of a sudden, it doesn't become a sacred cow anymore when you're like, whoa, if that's the antidote to that, give me more. We should be hungry for this. All right, Revelations 22. And again, I'm super simple. We're in the last chapter. I mean, the very last word of the Bible is amen. So be it. We're in the last chapter. So if some of you are like, well, yeah, that was Revelations 14, and I'm a post-tribber, so, you know. I'm not going to be here for the mark, so it doesn't matter. All right. Revelations 22. (laughs) Revelations 22, verse 14. Let me just start with 14. 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end. How fortunate are those who wash their robes? Another way of saying how fortunate 
are those who wash their robes. How fortunate of those who obeyed my commandments. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the Aleph and I am the Tav. I am the Omega and I am the Alpha. I am the Alpha and the Omega. How fortunate of those who chose to wash their robes and obey my commandments so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. I'm not gonna get into it, but all the next scriptures are all talking about who's outside the house. And sexual immorality, dogs, murderers, idolaters, they're all outside the house. Those who love and practice falsehood. I would like to take a look at what box I'm defending because I do not want to be found under a falsehood. This is the last chapter. You have the right to the tree of life for those who chose to obey my commandments. I feel like night season's over. Just obey the commandments, we're good. But I know that there's more. But does that at least give us the start from Genesis to Revelations that there are some foundational scriptures there that point us that can, as we're holding on to the covenant pillar, and then we're like, no! We only need Yeshua, not his commandments. And you're holding on over here and it gets kicked out from underneath you. You'll be able to go back to Genesis, Revelations, right? You'll have something, you'll have something to hold on to as we go through the night season. Amen? Okay. Um, uh I will say this so that you guys can start to dig into it if you would like to, where we are going to be starting next week. Remember when I said we're going to be focusing on Yeshua's word? We are going to be diving into Matthew 5, starting in verse 17. Those crazy scriptures that, the, that Christians always say, yeah, but he came and he fulfilled it, completed that thing, so I don't have to. That scripture, we're going to be, we're just going to, we're going to dive right in. So Matthew verse 17 is where we're going to be starting next week. And you've got your bookends to hold you in from Genesis to Revelations when things start to get a little crazy as we dive into this. Good? Amen? Okay. I'm done. Who's next? <laughs>